know what time it is? It's time for the Dodcast. Dennis the Menace. During my early college years in Dublin, I came up with a novel business idea that seemed like a sure thing. But because of my tender age, coupled with the fear of failure, I did nothing, and that good idea went nothing further than a good idea. After talking to Jamie White, it makes me question that and almost all my life's decisions to date. Mr. White is your modern-day serial entrepreneur. Age 30, and he's already has 15 years of a chief executive experience, where it all started running a tuck shop from his dormitory at boarding school. Founder of Leading Social, a media marketing agency which works with the likes of KPMG, Enterprise Ireland, and Douglas Newman Good. Jamie works from the floor up and knows where success starts and ends. A major fan of planning large-scale events, Jamie has successfully worked with the likes of Gary V, Hardwell, and he even managed to take the wolf out of Wall Street, that is, Jordan Belford. Recognised as one of Ireland's 30 under 30 in 2015, sky's the limit for this engaging, cool, crisp, collected man. In this week's episode, we talk about the recent success of his, of his Fresh Resolutions event that was held in the RDS and his plans for 2018 how to optimise social platforms in the tech storm we now find ourselves in, and why failure is so important for growth, and what he wants people to learn from his own failure. We speak about making tough calls in business and having to own up to your own mistakes. We also talk about how important it is to, make, uh, to take a step back from tough situations and not to act in, on impulse. I would recommend this podcast to anyone who is even slightly contemplating setting up a business. As Jamie puts it himself, I've made every small silly mistake that there is, and I really don't want others to do the same. Listen to a man who's been there, done that, and speaks about his own life's experience to date. Let's get this party started. Folks, you are very, very welcome back to the Dodcast. It's uh, your host, the crazy, weird, wild, and wonderful Dennis O'Dwyer. We're here joined today... By the fabulous Jamie White. Jamie, how, how are you? I'm fabulous. What a nice <laughs> way to be introduced. Life is good. Share it. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I have that as my cover photo on social media. Um, to be honest, I, I hmm, yeah, it's a bit of an odd one to have up, but I actually just thought the image was nice and the saying was nice. Uh, so yeah. yeah, would, yeah. Would, would that be your epitaph? Would you bring that to your, to your grave? Hey, God, well, you're, you're interested in social media and like so many people don't really quite share their lives. They kind of share what they want their lives to be seen like. Um, but uh, look, you'd like to think that life is all lovely and you can share it completely transparently. Uh, firstly, just to start off to say, listen, thank you very much to, for, uh, to Jamie for taking this is a Saturday today in Ireland just after playing Wales. So thank you for yourself for taking the time out to, to talk to myself in the podcast today. You're very, very kind. Pleasure, a pleasure. And for all those listeners uh, listening in, listen, thank you so much for, for tuning in again to the podcast and all you new listeners. Um, you're very, very welcome to the show. Uh, some, some great content on today and, and, and coming up in, in the future. So uh, let's, uh, let's get straight back, straight into it. Jamie, could you explain yourself just in a couple of sentences to the people who don't know you? Uh, to be fair I can barely explain myself to myself <laughs> um, but what am I I am so I'm 30 years old um, I am in business at the moment mm-hmm. I have uh, well I founded a social media agency uh, it's called Leading Social um, so what we do is we 
work with brands, uh, we create their content, we cre- create the strategies that, that, that they apply to social media um, and we carry out that, that strategy and we do the customer service through social media, we work with them in terms of uh, working with influencers to endorse their brands on social media. So we really give clients a kind of hands-free uh, all-in-one solution to social media and that's brilliant because obviously social media is growing and growing. Um, in terms of appreciation and value. Uh, so it's an exciting business to be in. Um, so I do that, um, but I'm also really, really conscious of, I suppose, my business journey. Um, I dropped out of college. I jumped straight into business. I probably learned every easy mistake the hard way mm-hmm. um, and in a kind of a very costly fashion. And so as I've kind of moved on a bit in business, I'm really conscious of sharing any experiences I've had uh, so that hopefully others can kind of watch on, or hear, or listen to, um, l- learn them at my expense and accelerate their own careers. I thought that would be a really, really nice thing to do out of hours. And so that's what I'm kind of enjoying at the moment, um, yeah, yeah, out of my working no, day. No, absolutely. Well, I think, I think subliminally so that life is good and it is there to be shared. And you, I think you nicely, succinctly kind of said it there yourself. Um, Jamie, at the start of the show, we do a little game called association. So that's a word, a phrase, or sentence, and it's the first thing that then comes to your head. It's it's really not there to catch you out, is what what I say, but it's more so just to kind of see what you say coming up. Don't worry, he's he's rolling he's rolling up his uh, his his sleeves here, folks. He's ready to 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 get lambasted. No, honestly, these are just random words and see Lovely. what comes in. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. so here we go. Life, fun, rubber bandits. Want to know more about them? Aaron Naveen. I uh, I'd love to know the words. Okay. That uh, honesty is the best policy. Klongos? Uh, interesting memories. Okay. Childhood hero? Oh, God. Cringy. It's probably re- some wrestler like Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I was obsessed with wrestling when I was younger. Uh, Wales? Uh, did we beat them? We did. Just we about, did. yeah. Intercept try at the last, so it was good. Uh, Thursday? Um... An exciting time. It's the day before Friday. Love Fridays. Yes, yes. Uh, climate change. Climate change. Uh, scary. Okay. P- politics. Uh, uh, horrifying. Body language. So interesting. Turn-ons. Uh, confidence. Turn-offs. Uh, flakiness. Okay. Favorite book. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. Great. New Year's resolutions. <laughs> uh, think smart. College years. Uh, short-lived. Okay. Wall Street. Uh, crazy. Instagram. Mind-blowing. Boyfriends. Uh, boyfriends. Uh, absolutely necessary your fabulous roommate there yeah guy Stefan Fusco great guy I'm a massive 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 believer in uh, close 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 relationships so uh, I would very openly call them boyfriends fantastic Harvey Weinstein Uh, crucified pineapple Um, pineapple very very good for curing a sore throat there you go drink of choice Uh, water and then finally positivity uh, something I have to work really hard on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You seem like a really positive guy. Uh, yeah, no, but I, to be honest, the most pe- positive people are the most happy people I know are the people that work the hardest on it. Okay, I get you. Um, so it's just, it's something that people think, I think, comes naturally. And I don't think it does at all. I think it's something yeah. that you have to work, you have to reinforce. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so 
uh, yeah, it's something I I work on quite a bit. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I suppose when you look at any of the likes of the the, the comedians, seem like outward really positive people, but I'm sure what goes up must come down, sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. So you're thinking of Jim Carrey and Robin exactly Williams. that. Yeah. 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 No. Again, absolutely mind blowing. Um, I was at a talk with Anthony Robbins where he was talking about Robin Williams in that same respect, and he just thought it was so sad for somebody that makes so many people so happy to be so deeply unhappy. Uh, in themselves so it's yeah really sad to think about well I'm actually doing an interesting course at the moment in college it's it's uh, the link between creativity and mental health do you think there's a little bit of a link there if you look back at any of I mean Vincent van Gogh um, Sylvia Plath the likes of uh, Edgar Allan Poe a lot of people creative brilliant minds but in their own he- in their own kind of head a little bit kind of crazy yeah if you think about it, that's that's what makes them so brilliant. Would you think so? Yeah, well, there's nothing more boring than normality. That's very true. Um, and there's nothing more exceptional uh, than difference. Um, and so when we're looking for creative brilliance, we're looking for difference. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, their, their, their brilliance comes from their craziness. I can't, I can't put it better myself. We're going to start off with talking about uh, fresh, fresh resolutions, the event that you just organised the very start of this year. Yeah. Congratulations for a very successful event as, as it was. Yeah, it was brilliant. It's, it's an event I've wanted to host for literally years. Yeah, t- um, just tell us a little bit about it. For the people who don't know about it, just tell us about it. Uh, so, um, fresh resolutions is like in itself is new beginnings, new perspectives, new opinions. Um, for me, I'm somebody that at the start of the year, almost in advance of the year, over the Christmas period, I set these ridiculous expectations for myself. I'm putting my hand up as well. Yeah, and I get so excited for the year ahead. And within a couple of weeks into January, I've already kind of made a mess of them. And I've, I, I really kind of upset myself over that. Um, and so on a personal sense, I really wanted um, to... Uh, to seek the the help or the advice or the support of some really really strong individuals um, it, that could inspire, but that could also show me how to set smart goals mm. and how to really help me improve and refine um, my life yeah. so that I can make the most of the year ahead and make it my year. And um, and so like I I've done a lot of events and most of them I've done in a very kind of self centered perspective. I've thought, okay, well, what would I really like? And so. I really wanted an event at the start of the year that could help inspire me, that it could help make help me get the best from myself. And that's what I am trying to do with Fresh Resolutions. Uh, the thing about hosting events is that uh, however you want it to be, it'll never be like that in its first year. Um, its first year is like your first step towards where you want it Absolutely. to be. And so the next year it'll be that little bit closer and the next year it'll be that little bit closer. But Fresh Resolutions this year was, was just really exciting for me to take that first step in creating something that I really really want to create and also it was kind of the first event that I've hosted um like I used to host a lot of events that were very very financially focused as in I'd make a fortune from them um, if I'm completely transparent I lost a fortune with fresh resolutions but what was just unbelievable was even that day the amount of people that just checked in with me on Instagram or that mailed me and just said my god thank you so much for this event um it's been truly mind-blowing and even even a week ago, somebody said, look, off the back of Fresh Resolutions, I was so motivated. I was so pumped up. I've actually set up my own business and I'm starting to do really no well way. off the back of it. That's and currency in itself, isn't it? That's insane. And that's so uh, that's so positive. That's so reinforcing. That's so exciting. Um, uh, I, and it's funny. I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm exaggerating. I'm actually being completely transparent in that respect. And, uh, and so, yeah, no, Fresh Resolutions, it kind of, 
before uh like when i was in the process of getting it going it was a lot of work and yeah, it was much it was much more work than i thought it would be uh when i hosted it uh, like on the day itself i didn't quite appreciate it as much as i should because to be honest as i said I, I didn't make money on it i lost money on it and so i was a bit frustrated and upset by that but i'm just amazed that almost every week since i've gotten some really really nice positive feedback um that is so rewarding in itself um that it's just really really exciting as i said taking the ne- walking towards the next step and the next step in the year heads and seeing where that at that event 100%. is going to go well just to take some of the stats where you 26 exhibitors you had a thousand people present 16 guest speakers and 30 staff working yeah yeah and you're telling me that you're that you ran a loss uh yeah 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 that's yeah. that's that's i mean that's to be honest that's completely normal um, and, and i'm i mean i'm saying this kind of with tongue in cheek i think like Firstly, congratulations for being able to. It was in the RDS, didn't you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 fabulous that that you were able to kind of firstly provide staff, thirty staff with, with this 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 great job, and also an opportunity to listen to these great speakers. You had what? Well, let me just what well, uh, uh, Ros Purcell, Pat Divoli, uh, the, the Happy Pair Brothers, and then of course the the fabulous Rob Lipset as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, learning from these, I, I I suppose it's a health, fitness, and well being kind of industry, is it? Yeah, like really, Alison Canavan set the tone at the very very start of the event. She talked about mindfulness and mental health and I I, kind of have this principle uh, that I really believe in um, kind of for anybody in business uh, whatever about being successful professionally if you aren't successful personally uh, you'll never be successful professionally but if you are successful personally success professionally just comes as a byproduct and so having somebody like Alison Canavan to start an event like that and help people work on themselves in a very kind of central basis I thought it was brilliant and it yeah it set the tone and it just the event just ran really really nicely from there just just out of interest i mean you don't mc the actual event yourself do you i i wanted to um so i I, you say that with a smirk there's a little smile on your face there. yeah no i promoted the event um all through my own, own social channels i wanted it to be personal um like i run a social media agency and that's not great uh like that's not what we'd advise a client we'd say no you should set up set this up and establish it as its own brand but when anybody's hosting an event everybody asks oh well who's hosting it and i didn't want to hide it behind some fancy name or something i wanted yeah. to say oh that that's jamie white and he's hosting this event um i wanted people to get a personal sense from the very second they came across an ad i get you um and i i did want to MC it uh but again if i'm being completely transparent when i took on the event uh I didn't appreciate how much would be involved in it. And I kind of had a few personal things going on right before the event. So I was flying fly, flying across the Atlantic and I just, I came back and I wasn't as kind of, uh, I suppose it's, I wasn't wholly myself. And what I mean by that is like, you know, when you're doing a lot of traveling or if you're out drinking or if yeah. you're doing anything, you're not your strongest self, you're not your best self. And if you take on a lot of work, similarly, that stress will wear on you. And I knew going into the event that I wasn't as strong as I wanted to be. Okay. And I I knew that if I emceed it, I wouldn't do myself justice. Okay. Um, considering as well that I was coordinating the event and making sure it ran smoothly as well. So it was something I really wanted to do, but it was something I made a call pretty much the day before. I just said, no, really? I'm, not, uh, I'm not fully up for this now. And I don't want to... I don't want to mess up and take away from the event and I want to make sure I'm running everything smooth in the background. Um, that's, but a, that's a huge call. You you essentially dropped yourself from the rugby team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know, like, it, it, uh, I was so conscious that making sure that, for example, like the 26 exhibitors that were there, 
everything ran smoothly for them. The guests that bought tickets, everything ran smoothly for them. The speakers were coordinated well on and off. And I just, like we, in the final kind of couple of weeks leading up to it, I built a really, really good supporting team. But like everything, like this was our first fresh resolutions and it's my first event in a long time and everything was built bespoke for it. And I just wanted to make sure I had my priorities uh, my priorities and focus for it. And, um, and so it would have been lovely to stand up there and it would have been lovely to present. Uh, but as I said, I also felt I was just worn out and I felt if I got up and I messed up or something like that, it would take away from the positivity yeah. of, the, of the event. And do you mind me asking in particular, was, was there any uh, single kind of moment which you decided that no, this isn't for me. Something like maybe something had happened, or was it just a, a kind of a, a a number of things that kind of added up, and you felt worn out? Uh, well, I knew I was. I knew I was really, uh, really burnt out. And uh, I do a lot of public speaking, yeah. and I love uh, public speaking. And uh, when I'm at my best, I do it really, really well. But when I'm not, I, like I've had an experience where literally I'll be up on stage in front of, in front of a, a crowd, and I've. My head has gone completely blank. blank. I've sweated profusely. I've started shaking, and I've actually been told to leave the st- stage in wow. front of a couple of hundred people. And I've had those moments, and I know exactly the triggers. It's just when you're too worn out. Um, yeah, it's when when you're too worn out, you just don't perform as you'd like. And I <laughs> thought to myself, God, I would hate for that to happen at this event, and 100%. for that to detract away from all the good of the event. So I just figured that's fine. I'll stay in the background for this. And it'll be something I'll really look forward to at my next event. Um, that's, so that's, that, that's really interesting that you say that just a little kind of tiny, tiny, minuscule personal experience of my, of my own was it was actually a 21st birthday that I find myself at. And uh, one of my uh, friend's fathers of the event decided that he'd have me as the MC, sort of as uh, kind of the, the, the unsaid sort of MC. And I got up and I mean, this was literally... Oh, 12, 13 points deep. Hmm. And the, 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 as you said, the, uh, the sweats, uh, the DTs kind of profusely start happening. I, I literally, I'd say I got about three or four sentences out and then I was literally asked to leave the stage as well at that stage. So I know exactly, I can empathize exactly yeah. what, where, where you're coming from. It's not the place you want to be in front of 50 to 100 people at all, is it? Is it? No, I, like, look, I think when people pay to go to an event, um, you don't have to. You don't just think about how much they're paying for the event, but you also think about how much time they're investing into the event. If it's Absolutely. five hours, ten hours, whatever that might be, and so you have a really big responsibility to deliver for them. And and as personal as the event was, and everything like that, I knew all the speakers would really nail it. And I knew, the speakers actually introduced the subsequent speakers, which gave a kind of a nice flow to the event. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just I wasn't at my best, and yeah. so I didn't want to disappoint. That's, that's no problem. Absolutely. Understand. Jamie, for yourself, where where did it all start? Uh, Jesus, like was you seem like a you? I'm sorry, you seem you are a very personal fella. Was was you went to school in in, in Clongos? Was was it always a case that you were a very kind of extroverted type fella? You always liked expressing your mind, uh, or where where was it that you decided? No, I like to surround myself around people, and this is what I want to kind of do within my life. Oh, uh, well, funny, like, I, if I go back to second class, what age are you in second class? You're second like, class or second year? Second class, you're like six or seven. Yeah. So I was really chatty and really social when I was uh, young. I was in Willow Park, and I had a really, just a fun class, great people in it, and I was really social. Um, then went into a, a moved school. I was probably a little bit rough around the edges, and I went to a kind of a much smaller school, a school called Castle Park, which was lovely. Um 
and again I was I was really social there when I went into Klongos my parents sent me to Klongos uh, it's like an all boys boarding mm-hmm. school and uh, I actually found that really overwhelming um, being away in, in boarding school um, I I suppose I, I like Willow Park was a Dublin school Dublin primary school Castle Park was a Dublin primary school uh, Klongos in, a, in a, being a, a boarding school a, it has students from all over the country and there's, there's just different kind of different norms uh, and when you bring somebody when you bring a group together with people from every county Absolutely. Ireland, uh, I, re- I reacted badly in first and second year I found it really intimidating um, yeah I, I found Klongos in, its, in my first year and second year really intimidating I actually quietened down I, I would be a naturally very social person but for first year and second year I wasn't and I was this pale uh skinny fragile uh 13 14 15, 15 year old uh, as as a result um but i like i kind of i just i did i didn't want to be there and i like i got i wrote my I wrote to my parents literally every single day which is quite horrific i can imagine from my parents saying why am i here please take me out and i think that when you're doing that outwardly that has a massive damaging effect internally and so Anyway, I kind of copped on a little bit and realized no matter if I'd sent literally a letter every day of school for two and a half years and I still wasn't out of that school, I just had, no, to, that's pop, gonna change. I, I just had to cop the hell on and get on with it. And it, it was a really interesting thing that I actually remember literally where I was walking in the school when I came to the realization that no matter how many letters I sent my parents, they just weren't going to take me out of the school. No way. And I had to get on with it. And you know what? Oh, screw it. If I'm in it, I'm going to make the most of it. And what's so weird was literally within about three or four weeks, I like it's strange to say say something like this, but actually like went from being a quiet kid in school to getting on with everybody Brilliant. and being really social with that sim- simple yeah. twist in my head. Um, around that kind of time, I, I like I, I didn't think of it in any kind of business sense, um, but I was just I was in boarding school. You couldn't buy cans of coke. You couldn't buy pa- packets of popcorn. And so you I go, see where this is going. Yeah, you go out for a couple of hours on a Sunday, and I just stockpiled loads of it and started selling it off. And <laughs> I, it was I, again, I didn't think much of it, but like I was maybe making a couple of hundred quid a week. For a couple of hundred quid for a fifteen and sixteen year old is pretty interesting. Then I, I I got into selling all sorts of other things, and uh, like again, I I didn't think of myself as oh you're a businessman or anything like that. But by the time I was in like fifth year, fourth or fifth year in school, I was. I was two three four hundred quid a week which is loads and um and then uh i so i suppose that's kind of a a start in business and i i I, what i think is really interesting is that you know there was no um there was no planning of that that just just happened happened. it just it was natural for you it was yeah it was just really natural and that was the same when i left school and i went to college and I I had high expectations for what my college social life would be, having been in six years of an old boys boarding school, and that wasn't like a dog in heat. Yeah, well, no, I. Do you know what? I <laughs> it wasn't quite that. I literally just really wanted, um, after being in quite a strict boarding school environment, I just wanted a loose, fun, um, college uh, social life yeah, and experience, true. and that that wasn't there. And I said, okay, well, you know, I I don't want to go without that. I want to set up uh i want to set up those kind of set those parties that i th- feel i'm missing out on so like i i don't know if you remember the oc the tv show i do and if you remember the oc they used to hang out at this bar and these cool bands would play 
And like it was actually daily. The, the OC introduced a load mm-hmm. of cool music. And but you couldn't say it at the time, sort of, could you? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but like, so I, I, my first kind of stuff was I started setting up these gigs. Um, I'd hosted, I'd had loads of parties um, in my house. I was throwing some of them. And then my parents were like, look, stop throwing these here. And I linked in with one of the local clubs. And yeah, before, before I knew it, just quite, quite naturally I started hosting loads of parties and and again I didn't appreciate the business that I had at the time but in in reflection it was a seriously seriously successful business that just came naturally which is really uh it's really really nice to be honest to look back on and go wow that's that's brilliant the way that all flowed so Jamie uh just about your college experience you went in uh what was it 2006 did you say you started college uh yeah so yeah, but it, God, it, 2006, yeah, 2006, and you went, 2007. you went to start a BCom. Uh, yeah, Commerce and UCD. And how did that go? I, I, to be honest, I, I, I really found it miserable. Um, uh, yeah, like I'd, I'd lo- I, I don't mean to say negative, uh, but I suppose the whole reason of doing a chat like this is to be completely transparent. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just, I, I suppose I learned through experience and I found it very, very hard uh, to focus um, and uh, appreciate the lessons we were taught in theory in class. Um, and because I was kind of doing my own kind of business on the side, um, I valued the experience I was getting from that so much more than what I was learning in the class. Yeah, so, so tell me a little bit more about, you started these nights. It was, it was in particular, you started, what was it, midnight? When did this come about? Hey... Ooh, okay, so my first night um, was in the Sugar Club, and uh, it was actually with the Coronas. Um, Terrific. And the Danny, guy, great guy. Yeah, so the guys that ran the Sugar Club, a guy called Oshin, um, wouldn't give me the club till after 12 o'clock, so it became a midnight event because it started at midnight. And uh, yeah, it was based on that model that I talked about from, uh, from the OC, uh, where it was just basically live bands and come in for a couple of drinks and enjoy some live bands because I didn't, I didn't think there was good live music in my college. Um, and I felt there was a real opportunity for like an intervar city kind of uh, bar mm. uh, where we kind of hosted all the kind of student bands. And it was great. It was a really, really kind of cool night. But that's where the term midnight uh midnight events came from and then the kind of i did a few of them uh they were cool experiences but the business model wasn't fantastic i took a break and then my next event was called the midnight ball uh because it was on new year's eve um so midnight events midnight ball and then everything kind of stemmed from there with under that same brand we did that as a weekly night and then as i said like the it was a cool experience but the business model wasn't as good as it should have been um, I then stopped. Can I, can I ask just there? What, what do you mean the the business model wasn't as good as as, as we'd have liked? Well, see, we, like in any business, um, a lot a lot of people get into business uh, driven out of passion. Uh, they get really excited about oh, this is something really really special, and so I'm going to jump in and do this. Um, but they don't appreciate all that's involved, mm. and it's only uh, once you get up and running uh, that you realize there's so much more to the equation. Um, and so I very enthusiastically jumped into the idea of, oh, it would be so cool to host a, you know, host all these, uh, all these student bands and create this intervarsity student night on Wednesdays in the Sugar Club. That sounds great. Um, uh, how much is the rental on the venue? How much, how much is a fee for bands? Yeah. Great. That's all I need to think about. 
not really you need to think about the printing costs you need to sorry you need to think okay, of the design okay. costs you need to think of the printing costs you need to hire someone to run the cash tail at the door you need to hire a security person you although you're bringing in these bands you need to bring in a pa for the bands um and little by little all these other costs start co- coming in and before you know it, you've thrown a really good party your first one but you've lost a load of money um, but where, where are you strapped for cash, Jamie? Was it was it a case that you you, you really badly needed this money? Because I have friends who who were promoters during my college experiences, and they really they jumped into it because they had no other choice. They had to pay for their college experience and fund it themselves. I love this 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 lovely little smirk is coming back on your on your face, and it's gonna. It's, I feel like a story is coming here. No, again. no, no. Like look, look, for I had made a load of money in school from literally those kind of talk shops shop, and stuff. Yeah. Um, within three of those nights, I had lost all that money and i actually remember I, I had to i had to get a taxi home on my third night uh wake my dad up uh get money off him and come back in so i could pay everybody that night uh that was pretty embarrassing um and that was pretty that was pretty shitty um i, I suppose again like if, when we were talking about fresh resolutions that was an event i really passionately wanted to do um when i talk about those those nights midnight in the sugar club that was something i really passionately wanted to do um, I hadn't thought out the business model as much as I should. I just jumped straight into it because I thought it was brilliant and I was going to make it work. And uh, by the time I was kind of three weeks into the Midnight in the Sugar Club, it was really obvious that just that was not going to work. Um, so a, a lot of a lot of businesses take a lot of time to get the financial model right and to get things right. And for promoters, um, some people can make great money when they're working uh for clubs as promoters and their jobs that they're in effect being hired um but when you're actually creating uh creating something and then promoting it uh, it's a completely different story and unless you get it right you can lose quite a lot of money quite quickly but you can also get it get it very right as well which you did after time Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so the thing for me is i I learned through experience so i made you, you make a balls of it it hurts uh you learn a lot of lessons you apply those lessons to the next time um with those lessons applied you you uh you see it, it kind of it addresses some concerns but it also presents more um but after a few cycles uh you have a really well oiled or well well refined machine uh, and yeah i i like it got to the point where i was hosting 30 nights a week to an average of twenty thousand students wow. every week and i was hosting them all over ireland uh, and up into northern ireland and we were doing phenomenally well um and that was that was brilliant. Uh, but they t- they talk in, in pretty much every entrepreneurial book. You'll read about the uh, the most important thing is to to persevere. Um, and so, uh, I would I would say I was a really good nightclub promoter, but I was a shocking promoter starting off. Um, and the the thing I suppose that made me a really good night nightclub promoter was that I just kept looking at what I did, learning from it, refining and repeating and doing it over and yeah, doing it over and over and over again to the point that it had to succeed. Did you do all this uh, by yourself, or was there anyone else in the picture? Uh, so uh, I started midnight in the Sugar Club on my own, um, and then I had a friend who uh, who after I had lost all my money was like you're just such an idiot. Like I could have done this so much better. You could have done this better. You could have done this better. I could have done all this so much better with you. And so I said, okay, cool. Well, why don't we, let's do one together. And, uh, I, I worked with, uh, I worked with loads of different people. Um, thread, but to be honest, there's a guy, Mark Jacobs. I worked pretty much all, uh, all thread, all, all the midnight days and the midnight grew into what we call the clubbing group. Um, and so I, I, 
worked side by side with him um but we had a, a we had an enormous amount of people that worked with us then at mm. times and like for every night we had we had a manager that ran that night and they had a support team of 25 people for every wow. night um yeah so if you so if you 25 multi- by 30 sort of thing yeah exactly if you multiply it i'm out, not very good at maths now there so. was an enormous team working with us at the high crazy level. yeah but really cool and really fun and really social and to be honest it's fantastic now because i've got i've got so uh I built such a fantastic network off the back of it all. And to just get a bit of a timeline, uh, if you don't mind, Jimmy, like what age were you at this stage? Were you 21, 22? Uh, 23, 24, 25 at the height of it. And like what was, I mean, you said you had a little bit of better of a business plan, but where were you going? What was the plan? What was the kind of ultimate goal? Uh, so I, I actually every, like that whole nightclubbing side of things, it literally started with like, this would be something cool to do. Yeah, that'd be something cool to do. Okay, well, let's do it. And then you'd learn a couple of lessons from that and you'd apply it to the next one. But the next one will come from again, oh, this looks like something brilliant to do. Let's do that. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, remember to learn all this. Mm-hmm. Like, remember all these lessons we learned. Let's apply it. And uh, and so there wasn't actually a great vision, um, initially speaking. Uh, it just kind of bounced from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And then another opportunity came. So we'd have two things at the same time. Uh, but then kind of I suppose as that picked up a bit of momentum the following Christmas uh, I would have taken a bit of time over the Christmas period to go okay well this is good how could I make it better and what could I plan out um, but like in the loosest sense like I'm talking about the back of an A4 sheet of paper, yeah, yeah. paper kind of thing and the business carried on like that for like about five years it just was it, it, it was a seriously successful business uh, but treated and managed in a very casual sense okay. Um which is amazing we we achieved the success that we did um and for me looking back on it i'm like wow if only we applied a professional edge to it <laughs> how successful could it have been um which is an interesting thing to think that that, that casuality if you like uh, for the want of a better word uh came about from a, you had a little bit of kind of dubious kind of promotions uh during that time as well with the with the signature events um the uh, this is tuesday event or the the abbreviation of the acronym for tit uh, Thursday or sorry Thursdays I think it was yeah yeah, um, yeah. now I'm not saying that it was your idea or someone else in the uh, the clubbing group's idea but the no no the, we had loads of these ideas and look you're being delicate at it but to be honest it was it was cool uh, <laughs> like just to give just to give the listeners a bit of an idea what it was about yeah like we'd have we'd have a singles nights where we'd say if you're in a relationship you're not welcome uh, we had a night called underwear amnesty where if you threw your underwear at the DJ you get a free drink uh we had um, we had nights where we'd say if you're not up for it, don't come. Um, spelled uh, spelled differently. <laughs> uh, like look, the thing is, I was I was uh, I was in my young twenties, uh, really raw, and having loads of fun. And uh, and there was a, there's an innocence in that, and there's a stupidity in that. Um, but there's also a real intelligence in that. The fact of the matter is, we threw a night underwear amnesty. Um, it was called, you know, as I said, you threw your, you threw, you encouraged throw, throw your underwear at the DJ and you'll get a free drink. Uh, every talk show in Ireland said that it was a disgrace. Every newspaper printed it, saying that it was a disgrace. Uh, but you defended but, your night, didn't you? But it had like ten weeks at a thousand people paying ten quid in a head. Wow. Um, and it did it, it did phenomenally well. Um. So like, look, it's not it's not tasteful. It's not something I'd be jumping and doing now. 
Um, but it was a really, really interesting stage because social media was just growing at that stage. Yes. And uh, people talk about things trending and think people talk about things going viral. Uh, those terms weren't around then. And those th- those, thi- those things were just being discovered and we were at the absolute cutting edge of uh, realizing, geez, do you know what? If we, if we, if we call the night this, everybody will just talk about it so much that we won't have to print a flyer we won't have to print a poster. We won't have to tell people to go. They'll just all talk so much about it that they'll do the promotion for us. And um, I cut all our advertising costs and uh, and doubled our numbers um, and learned a huge amount uh, about, um, about about mass pro- mass promotion and making things go viral or making things go trend tre- making things trend. Um, not not nice having you know newspapers ring you up and saying this is disgraceful and you're a disgrace and this is disgusting and yeah. and that and and weird um weird being exposed to that and having to really de- defend defend yourself with with no like i suppose not appreciating the the greater circumstance that you're in but like to be honest for me now age 30 i look back at that and go wow thank god i made all those silly mistakes and thanks at thank god stage. i did all that because the amount you learn from it and the experience i got um the experience I got from it all is absolutely invaluable. Um, but, but just, Jamie, just hypothetically speaking, say if there was another guy, uh, the same sort of go-getter like yourself, a young whippersnapper coming out of college and he has the same kind of ideas and dimensions and aspects and he has a bit of an idea, you know, how he wants these nightclubs to be run. Do you think it would still be feasible to, to kind of promote the nights as it is now in 2018 as you did back then? Uh, with, with the society and the culture we now live in so a lot of the I'd be very social with a lot of the guys running nightclubs now and they would say a lot of the stuff they do now is still based on the stuff that we did then that's interesting and I felt we were real innovators in the trade um, no fact is we were real innovators in the trade and a lot of the guys that have followed since have literally just followed suit um, at the moment in Ireland like the clubbing scene is a little bit it's boring um, and it needs it needs a bit of a shake up um, uh, so I, I actually think if like if we went back in like whatever about those those nights like we we established a, a, a night called Residence, uh, which is like a really really kind of impressive EDM, EDM brand. If you, if you search it up Residence Dublin on YouTube, you'll see some of the footage from it. It was phenomenal. I have you have uh, you have the likes of you have Hardwell, Laidback Luke, um, Dimitri from from Vegas, Dimitri Vegas and like Mike, uh, Nicky Romero, like yeah all all the top EDM acts. And um, we brought them into kind of smaller size clubs. Um, we brought in enormous amounts of production, um, and they were just these fantastic uh, experiences um, that n- nobody does anymore. They, nobody wants to spend the kind of money that that we did. Nobody wants to kind of, I suppose, raise the bar the, the likes of which we did. Um, but I, I I think those nights were absolutely phenomenal, and if they were repeated over again. I just think they're so much more generous than what's on uh, what's on offer at the moment. Um, then on the flip side of that, we did uh, like we did Jack. Jack was a kind of a more underground, um, more underground kind of uh, a night. And again, there like the lineup of international acts that we brought over was absolutely insane. The experiences that people got when they came in, similarly speaking, was absolutely insane. To be honest. Uh, that's something that actually is on offer now. The guys in District Eight have, have mm. kind of done phenomenally well, and what they're doing is br- is brilliant. Um, but in a lot of other aspects, like we used to throw a lot of house parties, uh, we used to throw a lot of um, 
sorry, I say house parties, but like very casually thrown parties within nightclubs themed around a house party or a frat party. Uh, we used to do a lot of these kind of UV nights. Uh, and again, I just think they were really generously done and I don't think uh, that generosity is there in the industry at the moment. So yeah, I think if we did, if what we did then was repeated now, I think it'd be really successful. At the moment, Jamie, just a little side, side note, uh, where is the best place in the world to go out at the moment? <laughs> in the world yeah. uh, that you've ever went out in obviously um, like I honestly like I always think the, the, the thing about any night night out is it's the crowd that you go out with very um, fair that the crowd sets the atmosphere the crowd sets the tone um, and so literally you know you could have the best night out ever in your living room with a couple of friends or you could have the best night out in a club that spends an absolute fortune on the production the likes of which totally I, just, I just talked about Um uh, the best night out ever uh, depends on so many things as I said the crowd and also yourself so it's a kind of it's a really relative question um, but for you your very first your favourite night out that just sticks out even the first thing that comes to your head uh, I, I loved I was over in Berlin a few months ago and I loved that I just thought it was real raw um uh, I thought, yeah, real raw. Tracer, or one of them. Uh, yeah, actually, I was down in the basement there. It's like a concrete dungeon. Yeah, I've been there. And uh, yeah, it's like, like I think there's some really, cool. really cool stuff there. Um, I certainly enjoyed that. It's it's really interesting, uh, Jamie. When I was back in college, I had a radio show called Bag Bag of Tricks, which was on Belfield FM, and you won't have any idea of this whatsoever because I had probably a grand total of maybe two or three listeners. I've, I've, I've doubled my figures now and I now have maybe five or six listeners if my maths is, maths is correct. Um, but I used to steal things from college times, uh, which was a lot of my kind of play-ins. I used to play a lot of kind of like kind of techno, uh, a lot of disco, things like that. But then at the same time, I used to do, I, I, I talk with, with another girl. She was, she was just, a, I mean, essentially it was just flirtatious banter between me and her. But it was fantastic because... We just used to just bang things off each other, bang things off each other. Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, except it was yeah. So, tell me, tell me a little about college times. What was the what was the idea pro, uh, behind that? Or doing it? Well, it was funny. You you were just talking about uh, the nights and where you know we we we'd name a night a certain thing and it, we'd see it trending, and basically we started realizing you know what makes content pop and what gets people talking, and. Uh, I felt that we had a greater value and um, that it, we were we were promoting these nightclubs, but we could actually um, we, we could apply that to something else. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity presented itself kind of in an interesting fashion. Uh, basically, the University Times um, in Trinity uh, really ripped into uh, the guys that worked with me and my promotions business. They just said, these guys are, are clowns. They're disgraceful. They're promoting these nights for just for singles. They're telling people in relationships not to come. Uh, their imagery is disgusting. It's too sexual. And uh, I, I suppose I looked at it and I just thought, Christ, like you're a bunch of students. You really shouldn't be giving out about this. You should really be embracing it. And <laughs> Too enjoy, much time in their hands. Enjoying it. Well, the thing, I just thought it was really conservative. And I didn't, like, although they were the university times and they were meant to be representative of the, stu- the greater student body, I thought it represented a very, very small element in the college. And the more I looked at it, the more I thought to myself, do you know what? I don't think, 
I don't think the University Times is representative of the greater student body. I think the University Times is writing what they want students to be seen to be reading. Yes. And uh, when I looked at the finances of it, like obviously they're sponsor led and they're supported by the college. So they have to write what they, you know, what students should be seen to be writing. And I, I thought to myself, you know what? I think there's something interesting here if we write a, uh, if we create a kind of a platform uh, uh, for students by students and uh, we'll call it college, college Times. And there was no, there, again, there was no business plan. It was just like this, this, this could be something cool to do. And I had a lot of really creative kind of people working with me. And I said, you know what, I'm going to create this website. And if you want to talk about anything in college, you can talk about it. And, uh, and it was so raw. It was like, Oh, it's brilliant! Uh, in its first year, now it's important to to remember College Times is in its first year is very very different to what College Times is now. But College Times in its first year was, you know, I'm I dealing with a, an STD, uh, how to cheat in your exams, how to <laughs> how to get the get the guy you've always wanted, how to get the girl you've always wanted. Uh, am I really gay? Like all all these kind of quite raw raw topics, but real topics, real topics, and. Like the success of it was absolutely phenomenal, but again, at the time we didn't appreciate it because we had nothing to bounce it off. Um, but we had about a hundred thousand readers a day within six months, which is absolutely wow. insane. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, college college times was amazing. Uh, it started, uh, you know, we saw the opportunity, and then there was a person, Greta Dunn, uh, who we had been chatting uh, about and saying, you know, we should do something together, and uh. It, we did it together and uh as i said it just it, it was it was brilliant now loads of ch- challenges came as i said we didn't think about the business model as much as we should and then six months in you know we were writing all these raw stories but we realized uh you know we were getting ripped to shreds because of the, the grammar and the editing and so we said god you know we need to really actually professionalize that side of things and then that cost more money and then we thought god you know this is costing money uh, we need to justify this cost. Oh, well, it's advertising. And then we, we got a couple of advertisers because our numbers were through the roof. But then an advertiser saw what we were printing and blacklisted us. So we got no advertising. And then we thought, well, God, we better get advertising. So let's change all the content. And then we changed all the content. We got a load of advertisers, but then we lost our audience. And then okay. we kind of had this juggling yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. relationship for a little while. Um, and you, you know again thank god I, I went through through all of it because you learn so 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 much, so much off the back of it um, and kind of I, I joke when I when I say like I share content out now because I made every obvious mistake or every simple mistake the hard way um, and the fact is I did like it's really really obvious if you print the kind of stuff say not print if you post the kind of stuff we were posting no advertiser is going to go near you and that's really, really obvious. But at the time, just it was overlooked. And I actually think a lot of the obvious things are overlooked in people's infancy when it comes to entrepreneurship. And so sharing the really simple lessons is actually of huge, huge value. And sometimes actually you share the really, really complicated lessons and they're so complicated that nobody gets them. Um, so for me, I just, yeah, I, that's why I focus in on those small little lessons. Because it was, it was one of these kind of niche questions that I actually wanted to ask you at some stage during the uh, the chat that I'm having with you here is the, the best advice that you ever received, but it took you years upon years to actually finally penetrate your head. Now, I'll put my hand up and I'll say there's plenty of things that my father's been telling me literally for years and it's only now they're starting to kind of cop on mm-hmm. that you end up having to learn yourself to actually understand what people are kind of saying to you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that sticks out in your head that you... Someone yeah. had said to you as advice, and it's like fuck it. That's what they meant. I I, th- I think um, 
I think when somebody asks you a question, they say the best, it becomes really challenging because as soon as somebody says the best, you have loads of ideas and then suddenly all those ideas go from your head. Uh, but the one that stands out to me that I think is really, really smart is play the long game. Uh, so, so many people are obsessed with, I'm going to be a millionaire in a year or I'm going to take over the world next week and or else I'm going to do this huge, huge business now. And I think in doing that, you stack all the odds against yourself. Um, whereas if you play the long game, um, things become so much more easy and, and so much more achievable. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire in a year. If you're going from zero to that, you probably won't do it. Um, and if you've set that as a big goal for yourself, you'll really upset yourself and you'll really break yourself down. But if you say, look, do you know what? Uh, I'm going to be a millionaire in 10 years. Uh, that's far more achievable. Um, and it's far more positive for yourself because you're not dealing with a negative after year Absolutely. one. You're dealing with positives all the way. And I'm a big believer that positives compound. So you might set a goal of I'm going to be a millionaire in 10 years, but actually with all those positives compounding, you might hit it in five. Um, and what else will you hit along the way because you're positively reinforcing yourself all, all the time. But it's but that's in, a, I suppose, a more grander sense. But even in the most simple of circumstances, like... You know, if somebody, you, you, you hit obstacles in a personal sense in relationships, you know, with people that you're working with, that people that you're friendly with. And I think if you deal with them immediately speaking, if you deal with them in the short term, uh, they're quite hard to resolve. But if you think of them in the long, long, longer sense, so if somebody upsets you, rather than reacting straight away, if you take a bit of a break, you take yes. a step back, you have a think about it and you deal with it in a longer sense. And that might be two, three days later, you generally have a much more proactive uh, resolution. Uh, and so the big, big lesson that I'm learning is this think more long term as against short term and its applications to just so many areas of life are so, so beneficial. So, yeah, that's the that's the big lesson that I'm trying to get on top of. Have, have you read the uh, Chimp Paradox before? Have no. you even heard of the book? No. So it kind of talks a little bit what you're kind of saying there, kind of walking away from the situation and not acting or reacting more so on instinct mm -hmm. so the chimp is is the reaction the immediate reaction the higher or the neocortex uh, the involvement of the brain allows you to take a step back and kind of humanely look at it and then assess and then evaluate and then respond correctly if it is a day or if even it is a year or whatever it is and it's if i'm honest it's a really against my my instincts i'm i I, I find myself quite impulsive, quite reactive. Uh, Again, and so, putting my hand up. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's, a, it's a real challenge. But any time I do it and I do it properly, it's proved really successful. Terrific. This, you had college and team times, both extremely successful platforms, which were bought out. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So look, look, success is all relative. And Very true. Like, uh, yeah, like so I sold College Times, sold to Balls Media here in Ireland, and I sold Team Times to Render Media in the US. And uh, and it was successful because very few businesses get sold. Uh, very few businesses succeed. Like, success in business, as I said, is relative. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and the fact of the matter is, is that literally uh, nine out of ten businesses fail in their first year. Nine out of the subsequent one businesses that get through to their second year fail in their second year. Um, and so relatively looking at that, just survival is success yeah. in itself. Um, with college times and teen times, they did phenomenal numbers at certain stages and then the numbers just fell through the floor at other stages because of different tosses and turns. That was more so, sorry, with college times. With teen times, teen times was an enormous success because we were able to apply all the lessons we learned with college times to teen times. And teen times grew, like on social media, it grew from 
a following of zero to three and a half million followers within a year. <laughs> wow. Uh, its reach on social media was over 100 million people a week. It was absolutely insanely successful. Um, I, and then, yeah, to, to sell them ultimately was was brilliant. Um, uh, it was brilliant. It was a lovely conclusion. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, it was great. It was really great. I suppose the two of them culminated into creating Euthanation as we know it. Uh, so did you say the two of them led to creating would, that, would, would I be correct by saying I'm, I, I no, probably am in saying that then. no no no, no. no. A, a youth nation came at a, fu- a funny stage ba- basically um, because not a lot of what we are doing, doing mine was a journey that just kind of bounced one to the next to the next to the next it wasn't as thought out as it should have been I kind of found myself I was age 26 I found myself with um, uh, with these 30 nights a week uh, entertaining an average of 20,000 people uh, I found myself with college times uh, and teen times. Uh, I also had a marketing company and a social media company. And the marketing company was called The Student Network. The social media company was called Social Networking Solutions. Um, I also had a, a concert business that was part of the nights. It was called Residence and another one called Jack. And long story short, I had a load of different businesses. and Too much on your plate? Uh, yeah, way too much on my plate. And... Uh, and it was getting very, very stressful, and it was very disorientated. And uh, I was, t- I took, a, I was trying to take a lot of time to actually start planning it, then and start refining it. And what I came up with was, uh, I'm going to bring them all together, and I'm going to be a youth communications, looking after the kind of the marketing element and entertainment business. The idea is we're going to have this huge network through the nights we host on the ground and the students we host online. And we're going to have this huge expertise off the back of that that we can apply for brands benefits. And the business was called Youth Nation. And uh, and yeah, so that was that was Youth Nation. So Youth Nation literally just was the coming together of everything that I built up to that date. Unreal. Fantastic stuff. Um, and then you the social media company that you had, you kind of amalgamated that to create Leading Social then? No, 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 no. I, I'm getting it all wrong here. No, no, no not me. at all, no. Uh, so I merged all that in together. We got a phenomenal amount of interest because, wow, this youth communications business that entertains 20,000 students every week uh, reaches 100 million uh, students, or it was 100,000 readers every day. Um, uh, and as a brand we can capitalize on that expertise and that reach for our own benefit wow and we got we got a load of business in and uh i wasn't experienced in that more corporate brand sense and so we kind of hired in loads of different directions and we uh from completely honest made a complete mess of it had this amazing (laughs) business opportunity i'm starting to see a trend here yeah yeah look like the thing is is just this non-stop journey but uh i yeah, it made a bit of a balls of it, and uh, and so like the the turnover kept doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling, and I kept hiring and hiring and hiring and hiring, and it didn't ha- it didn't have as well oiled and experienced and tuned team as I should have, and I didn't manage people as well as I should have. And did it all come crumbling down? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went to like forty two people uh, within about a year and a half, and then from what? Uh, like from five or six to, and then uh, oh, wow. and then we. Uh, and then literally, it was either shut everything down or really tighten up, and we went from forty-two people to ten people in the space of a month. Um, that was was that difficult? It was horribly difficult. For, I'd say for everybody that had invested themselves into working with me, um, it was horrible for me. 
Did you feel horrible? But uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. Like I see that the, the kind of the, the, one of the nicest things about having a business is people saying, "Do you know what? I'm going to invest my career in behind you because I one I believe in you, and two mm. I think I can do really well off the back of it." Uh, and so they trust you and they instill, you know, and they, they put their confidence in you. And uh, if you don't deliver on that, that's that's like I, I wrecked up huge debt and I made a big balls of loads of it. But you can kind of get clouded by the selfish side of it and think me, 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 me. But actually, when you really think about it, like it's actually really shit for the people that are, that put themselves in yeah. behind you. So, yeah, I felt I felt awful. Um, on the flip side of that, like the people, there's some people that stuck with me. Like I, I had to turn to my staff and say, look, I can't pay you all this month. Uh, I will pay you, but I, I can't pay you now. And, you know, some walked out straight away. Others said, okay, I'll work with you. And uh, it was lovely to be able to, uh, to deliver uh, on all, all those promises to make things right over time um, it, di- it did take a load of time um, but anyway so long story short mm-hmm. so um, in cleaning up the mess that was uh, I looked at everything we were doing um, and I looked at it in terms of like the satisfaction of the team in doing that work the expertise in us delivering on that work the satisfaction of the clients the profitability of that work and uh, Youth Nation did everything in the marketing communication sense. So we, we did staffing, we did PR, we did social media, we did digital, we did events, we did everything for clients. But one by one, as I analyzed those services, I cut them all back. And uh, and as I analyzed through the business, like the nightclubs were, were good, but if I'm honest at that time, I just, just didn't want to be doing them anymore. Uh, the websites were good, but they needed to be rearranged. Um, and the social media marketing expertise was really, really good. Uh, and so as I was cleaning up Youth Nation, there was two kind of obvious elements that were really positive. Uh, college times and teen times and the social media service. And so I broke the social media service out and uh, kind of rebranded it as its own separate entity because a social media service called Youth Nation, people will think it's young oriented and you'll cut off a huge amount of business. So we rebranded and called it Leading Social and... Uh, and, and in essence, I built it out as its own business. Um, and then Youth Nation became the business-to-business brand behind College Times and Teen Times. Okay. And uh, basically, I knew that there was a really good business in, in the social media service. And so I was playing a long game with that. Uh, and I knew there was an opportunity to get some money in through selling off College Times and Teen Times. But a lot of remedial work had to be done on them. And so... Uh, I really dug myself well out of the hole by uh, grooming college times and teen times for sale and then ultimately selling them and I set myself up then for going forward uh, and was able to kind of get myself to the point that I could sell college times and teen times through what I did with Leading Social and so that's where Leading Social came and that's where Youth Nation college times and teen times went. So Jamie at this part of the show we do a little thing called moments it's uh we, we did do a part of the show called uh, Dad Jokes, uh, but uh, that, yeah, that, that little snigger kind of uh, describes it all. Uh, I do have a dad joke that I'm going sh- to share with the, with, the, with the listeners, try and get a little cheap, cheap lol from yourself, yeah. uh, and then we'll move on to the moment. So what's, uh, what's a pirate's favorite letter, do you know? No idea. Oh, it's, it's P, because without it, they'd be irate. Love it. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> wow, it's it's a real dry, crisp laugh. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah Going back to the, remember those first uh, first two years of boarding school. So mm-hmm. it was that weird small fat kid who used to go around to saying those cra- crappy jokes. Shit. Uh, yeah, that was okay. me. All right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, your your moments. Yeah. So 
as I said, this part of the show, we're going to talk about, you know, a few moments in your life. First thing that comes to your head. Your happiest moment, uh, Jamie. Mm, uh, I was going to say, the birth of your first child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I actually, I have pinned a happiest moment, but it's in, a, in the future. Uh, cool. So, yeah, it's a bit of an, a bit of an odd one, but I just, I, 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 I'm really into visualization. And there's a moment that I know will be the happiest moment I've had. Uh, can you share it no uh, can you give us any idea yeah it's very it's very tied in with what we've talked about and it's like it's it's uh, it's it's like the coming together and addressing of all the mistakes that I've had and it's the it's the definitive line of well that was all then and this is now going forward you're going to become president of Ireland yeah damn right <laughs> yeah your saddest moment Hey, I, I actually genuinely think think the saddest, or toughest, or roughest moment was what I actually talked about there, which was coming to a team of staff that had all invested themselves into me and telling them, "Look, I'm sorry, uh, I can't actually pay you." Um, that was absolutely horrible and absolutely horrible. Looking at the, you know, the experience of it all, but the reactions of it all, and just the whole, yeah, the whole thing. That was definitely the worst moment, saddest moment, most depressing moment. Your scariest moment. Uh, that. That as well. Okay. Uh, your weirdest moment? That. Okay. Your best moment? Um, and that can coincide with the happiest. You're not getting off no, that easy. No, 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 no. Um, my best moment... God. Uh, in the highlight reel. In the highlight reel. Joe, you know, it's funny the things that come out... Come out um, Uh, there's all sorts of corny moments that pop up into your head the big thing for me was actually if I'm thinking back to school so uh, in school I was relatively speaking crap at rugby uh, in my earlier years but in fourth year I made this thing I was like I am going to make the senior team in sixth year that's just that's my goal for now and I'm going to make it and for where I was at the time it was just completely ridiculous Uh, but anyway in sixth year there was this there was the trials and I was uh uh, I I associated rugby with really making my father proud. My my da- my dad, like I was horribly disappointing when academic results came in, um, and with sport up until a point. But uh, he really uh, he really took a lot of pride in, in seeing me play rugby, and I took a I I took a lot of uh, a lot f- from getting there. And anyway, uh, so in sixth year for the trials for the team, I was having a fairly, it was it was okay, it wasn't great. And I was really anxious. I was like, oh God, my dad's here watching on. Uh, the whole school is here watching on. And this is like, this is a goal I've set for the last two years. And anyway, just this uh, this opportunity uh, came where the ball came uh, came out of the, uh, came out, I picked it up. I And I had this just way over the top try and it was just a, it, it was a, it's, it's funny actually looking back at why that pops into my head. I have no idea, but it was so nice to be able to score that. It was so nice to be able to go, okay, yeah, I'm through the door here. And to, uh, and just to remember ringing my family and, and saying it. And it's just a really, really nice moment. Strange to think that that's the best moment. And God, I imagine there's actually a measurably better moment, but that's what pops up. In yeah, the no, head. absolutely. Making your father proud. I, I, I mean, I'll put my... Again, I'll put my hand up and say, I'm sure there's plenty of times that I've done the same. It's definitely been my favorite moments. We're coming to the end here, and it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure, as I always say, but in particular with yourself, Jamie, it's really been, it has been a, an absolute breath of fresh air to listen to yourself, as I, as I said, with your honesty and everything else. Where are you going in the future? 
And I know you said you can't really divulge too much information at the moment, but can you give us... No, I didn't. I, I was just saying with regards to a specific really happiest moment. But no, where I'm at at the moment is it's a kind of, it's a really exciting place because I, uh, when I turned 30, uh, I kind of, I, I kind of felt that pre-30, the way I played in business was that I was very open to, I was very open to taking risks. I was very open to making mistakes because I felt that, in an entrepreneurial career your 20s is all about making mistakes your 20s is all about learning lessons uh whereas when you turn 30 it's time to cop on uh and it's time to it's time to really get calculated and it's time to actually make good on all those mistakes and all those lessons that you've learned uh, and so for me things are actually really really exciting um because i've learned so much you know very few people would have very few people will be sitting at age 30 and have the guts of 15 years of entrepreneurial experience behind them. Um, most people would only start getting a taste for entre- entrepreneurism at age 35. And I know people cringe at the, even the term entrepreneur, uh, but that, that's what I am. And, and, uh, and I'm really, really proud to have, I've gone through those 15 years and I'm really, really proud to have, I've made all those stupid mistakes and to have had all those really, really kind of, cool times and really cringy times really embarrassing times and really great times all that um and so for me right now age 30 having all that behind me uh there's a very definitive line that i i drew age 30 i said right i'm not making these mistakes any anymore i'm capitalizing on all these lessons and i am applying that going forward um and i have uh i have a social media agency leading social that i talked about uh, one thing that I realized with, with Youth Nation was that I just was not equipped to take the business to where it should have gone. Uh, and so um, I partnered with a guy, Keen Corbett. Keen Corbett is, uh, was previously the head of social media in Radical. Radical had one best social media agency in Ireland for the last five years. So Keen Corbett would be the best person in social media in the country. And, uh, and he now leads uh, Leading Social. So he took over as managing director. And that's, I, I suppose for me, that was a really interesting thing because it's exactly, okay, I learned that lesson. I'm applying it here. And and he's he's doing phenomenally well with the business. Um, and it's in a really exciting position for going forward. Um, so that's with regards to that business. Um, I'm going to go into something else. It's a, another kind of venture. It'll be an events business. Again, applying all the lessons that I've learned from the events previously um and i think that's going to be quite an accelerated journey and that's going to be really exciting so i've started hosting you know i I hosted fresh resolutions at the start of the year i've started hosting a kind of a a kind of a more intimate event called the university of life i've got an event at the end of the year called the start summit and then i've got a load of fun events coming in afterwards um and they're all going to be uh, built around a dedicated events business that's really really cool um I'd struggled for with a long for a long time because in business it's quite self centered. You know, you're 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 in a sense building up your own business, and I I had struggled for a while and thinking what 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 kind of greater good can I do, and you know I thought would I volunteer, um, uh, and I thought you know if I hand out if I do a soup kitchen run or something, which to be honest I actually like doing, but I thought what more value could I give, and I I came to this idea that I thought you know what. Jamie, you've learned so many bloody mistakes in business. You've made such a bollocks of things in business. Why don't you start being really, really open about those lessons? Why don't you share them mm. out? Because that's the greatest value you can give. To give You can share your experiences in a really open, transparent fashion so that hopefully people can learn from your lessons and accelerate their own careers off the back of it. And that's something that took me 
so long to figure out, okay, what kind of greater good can I do? I figured that out now. Um, how I do it is a whole other thing. Uh, I've started doing little bits and snippets through social media and it's awfully cringy and I really want to beat myself up sometimes. But then actually when I'm at the kind of darkest, most cr- like curled up in a ball thinking, oh my God, I just posted that video and it's so cringy. Somebody sends me a mail and they go, Jamie, wow, I learned so much from this. That's been really inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's mad. I actually have this, like I, I post a video, I cringe, I get some positive endorsement, I bounce back up, I post something a little bit braver and I get into a darker yeah. state. And yeah. I've been having that bounce for the last six, six months. Um, but it's it's really, really nice now now knowing, okay, that's the greater good that I can do. That's the, that's the yeah, that's the greater good I, I can do. So yeah, I'm at a really exciting stage where I've got all this experience, I'm applying it, um, I figured out a kind of a, a greater good, um, and ultimately, as they, those kind of things all start to come together, um, at the start of this, I said that I'm really, I really believe in kind of compounding growth and long term growth. And when you start getting your 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 foundation in place, and I think I've got a foundation in place, um, things naturally grow and start growing faster from there. And that's what I'm really excited about. So I I think the next, oh sorry, whatever about the next few years or something, I'm just really excited about the time to come what i what i love about that answer was that you've essentially just done full circle without even uh noticing it life is good share it Mm. which is which is which is which is fantastic and i think as i said we can't but not finish on on that note so listen all i can say is thank you so much again for your your time and effort and everything that you've you've shared with us today and the dodcast it's been an absolute uh, privilege i said and a pleasure having you on thank you very much pleasure pleasure Um, thank you folks uh, this is the Dodcast. Uh, listen, like, subscribe, everything else. It really, really would be fantastic if you could press that subscribe button on iTunes. We're, we're, we're gradually going up the list at the moment. And if you could, if you could, please write a tiny review and give us, give us a four or five star. Just, just if, if you enjoyed. If not, let me know. Get on to me. More like, uh, get on to me on on, on, uh, on Twitter more so than anything else. And ambass me on that. But uh, other, other than that, listen, thank you so much again for signing in. And uh, we'll see you at the next episode.